Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Well, family, if you got a Bible, go ahead and meet me in Romans chapter 12. That's where we'll be this morning. Just kind of open up our time. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. I'm just going to read these into your hearing. If you are not able to see them on the screen or in your Bible right now, Paul writes in Romans, he says these words. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, family, as we open up into this this conversation, these words of God right here in Romans chapter 12, where we're looking at this Here's Paul talking about our lives, our bodies being living sacrifices. And he he pays specific attention here and says that we'll be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Now, the thing about this, as I pointed out in our midweek worship in our Wednesday time, is that a lot of times we don't think about what's going on in our mind. We, we focus on our bodies. We focus on our souls. We're in the gym. We're pumping iron. We're doing this and we're that. We're making sure our bodies are right. But when it comes and then we're thinking about our souls and our spirits like, oh, I'm going to, go to church. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. But the human is also made up of a mind, too. You have a mind, you have a body, you have a soul. But when it comes to our mentality and our mental health, a lot of times we're not thinking about what's going on in our minds. And the holistic nature of the human being, if you're not paying attention to what's going on in your mind, this whole understanding of being a, a, a living sacrifice to God, you're only giving part of it to him. You're, you're only giving part of you to him. There's a part of you that, that God is also keying in on where we're believing lies that are seeping into our, our spiritual worship, that are seeping into how we work out or how we are doing physically. See, our mental health has a lot to do with how we walk this Christian walk out. Uh, Frederick Douglass, he writes in his narrative where he's talking about, I love this book, The Narrative of Slave. He talks about this when he's, he, he's talking about slavery and he says uh, how, it, how it does something to his mind. He, he talks about simply just being a, a young boy and how he's born into slavery because he's black, but then he sees free whites born free because they're white. And he's really pointing out the fact that what does this do or what this does to someone's mind simply because they're a certain color, they're treated different or they're born as a slave or one is free. Could you imagine what that does to your mind? Maybe not. Let me keep going. James Baldwin, a great African-American writer, he writes these words. He says to be a Negro in this country and to be relatively conscious is to be in rage almost all the time. All the time. And what he's doing is he's pointing out the fact that throughout history, especially when he's writing these words, is is that to be a Negro, you're thinking about all the things that have happened up to this day. And so although there may be a smile on my face, there's there's feelings, there are things that are going on in my mind where I'm upset. 
W. Du Bois, he writes in The Soul of Black Folks. If you've never read that book, get it and read. He, he writes in there where he's talking about being black in America. It's almost like we're always we're living from beyond, behind the veil. And what he means is that if you had to put a veil in front of you, if you put a veil in front of you, what he's saying is that to be black in America, I, I never can be my true self. I'm living from beyond the veil. I, I have, I, I'm behind this veil to where what you see is not who I really am, because if I give you who I really am, you may not like me. I may not be accepted because of the color of my skin. See, there's this whole idea of privilege that sometimes uh, people that are not black or not ethnic don't have to navigate. But what we're trying to point, what I'm really trying to point out is we jump into this conversation is that when we deal with mental health, race has a lot to do with our mentality. It has a lot to do with our health overall. And a lot of times we don't like to think of our race having anything to do with mental health. And so I'm excited to navigate this conversation. And you're not going to just hear from me. I, I, I've got some friends of mine that are going to talk about this that are, are more experts than me in this field. So I'm going to welcome them on today. And we're going to hopefully shed some light on uh, some of the issues of race, especially throughout the history of America and how we got to where we are today. So let me welcome them on. I, I want to introduce them and then you'll see them on the screen in just a moment. Uh, we have Dr. Valencia Wiggins, yeah, Dr. Deborah Gordon and Nathaniel McGuire. Dr. Wiggins, she is the field chair of counseling at the Graduate School of Moody Theological, as well as an associate professor and clinical uh, training director dealing with uh, clinical mental health counseling at Moody. Dr. Gordon, she is the Gary Chapman Chair of Marriage, Family, and Ministry and Counseling and Program Head and Associate Professor of Clinical Mental Health Counseling at Moody Theological. And Nathan McGuire, he, he, he's known me for quite a while. He's a best friend of my mentor, CJ, some of you all know, so I hope he doesn't say anything crazy about me on this, <laughs> on this call today, but he, he's known me from a little... A little guy when I was 18 running around with CJ, but he's the founder and the CEO of Empower Counseling, Coaching, and Spiritual Direction. He's highly sought over, sought after in the city of Indianapolis as a family counselor and life coach. Won't you guys welcome them to our time today? Well, hey, and good morning to you. Thanks for jumping on with us today. I'm so delighted that y'all have jumped in with us, and I'm excited to hear what you're going to say to us and, and what you're going to bring to the table. This is a much-needed conversation, not only here for our church, but also in America. And y'all, I'm just excited to dive in and just hear from you all myself. I know our church has been waiting for this, too. But I'd love to, by way of jumping into this intro, um, yeah, just tell us a little bit about yourself, if you don't mind. Just how'd you, what, what sparked your interest? How'd you get into mental health and, and this counseling? And, and now you're training other folks at, at schools and then you're, you're continually walking with people. What, what sparked your journey? And tell us a little about yourself. Good morning, Renewal Church, and thank you so much for having us. My name is Valencia Wiggins, and I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio, but I've lived here in Chicago for over 20 years. Um, I am in the field of mental health. Um, I'm a psychologist and now an educator at Moody. Um, from a child, I've always been fascinated with people. I love listening mm. to people, observing them, and uh, which has now led into a career in mental health. I love it. I love it. Hi, everyone. Uh, it's great. 
great to be here. Um, my name is Deb Gordon. Uh, like Dr. Wiggins, I'm also a psychologist. Uh, I've been practicing in Chicago for about eight years now. And um, I was always really interested, kind of very similar from an early age of how this conversation around faith and mental health happens. I, I was, it was always difficult for me to think about my emotional functioning and my mental functioning separate from my spiritual functioning. And that really drove me to, to study the context of mental health within um, a theological framework. So I did my doctoral studies uh, at Fuller Theological Seminary, looking at both theology and psychology. So passionate about this topic and excited to be here. Wow. Uh, my name is Nathaniel wow. McGuire. And uh, yes, I know Derek, so I'm going to leave him alone. And uh, But I'm also just excited, <laughs> man, to watch what you've done and what you're doing in the community. And uh, me and CJ had a feeling you would be the one, sir. Uh, so you have mm. uh, really grown and done exactly what we believed you would do. Um, so I went Amen. to Bible college and it was called Crossroads Bible College. And I went from there and got into youth ministry. And it was there I realized that uh, instead of playing referee between families and kids, I probably should probably, you know, get some education and find out what in the world I was doing. That led me to Christian <laughs> Theological Seminary. And uh, like Deborah said, uh, when I got there, I got into this thing called integration of psychology and theology, and it was just absolutely amazing. And um, so I got a degree in marriage and family therapy, and I started to look for other African-Americans uh, in Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, especially males with the MFT degree. And I found out that for about four years, I was the only one in Indianapolis as a black male with the MFT degree that set me on wow. fire, uh, just trying to tell my people you know, this is trauma, you know, they, these are, this is depression. And so I got on the radio, I uh, got on TV and just started to pour out and try to help my people understand what it means to renew uh, your mind. And uh, that's what led me here today. Wow. Wow. Thank you all for sharing and welcome again. Um, I'd love for you, Dr. Gordon, to answer this, but how, when you think of mental health, uh, just from an overall perspective, why is this key to our Christian faith? Yeah. <clears throat> you know, what first comes to mind is, um, is Hebrews 4.12, which says that, you know, the word of God is living and active, sharper than wow. uh, any two-edged sword. And this is the critical piece right here, right? Piercing to the division of soul and of spirits. We've got our, our spiritual being, right? And then mm -hmm. of joints and marrow, which is our physical being. And then finally, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And, and when I hear that verse, I see how God created us. Mind, soul, spirit, body. It's all interconnected. And, you know, one of my favorite sayings is everything psychological is physical. And so to think about ourselves as you were giving the intro this morning, renewing your mind, I mean, to disconnect our mind from our body really does a disservice to the totality or, or the holistic um, creatureliness that God has bestowed mm -hmm. upon us in making us in his image. So when we think about uh, physical health, it's intertwined with our mental health and our spiritual health, just like when we think about mental health, it's intertwined with our physical health and our spiritual health. And you know, to, to, to separate our spiritual health from our physical and mental health disconnects us in so many ways. So I'm, I'm, you know, I, I get so passionate about this conversation because 
as we start to especially wow. reduce the stigma of mental health within the church and um and to focus in on the the importance of mental health to our spiritual health, uh, we're really addressing the whole personhood that God created us to thrive in. Amen. 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 That's great. I, I want to, from that question, I just want to dive in a little bit into this this conversation, and I'd love to hear from you all. But when we think about America, and we think about all that we've gone through, race relations historically throughout. America. We haven't honestly, we haven't done a great job, obviously, with race and racism here in in our country. And when you think of enslavement or slavery, civil rights, mass imprisonment, you think about the rhetoric that has been uh, thrown around throughout the, the ages, um, even just as lately as our past president. Uh, you think about all of this, even immigration and everything that's happened here in America. When you think of race and different racial groups or ethnic groups here in America, how has all of that affected mental health? And we, we, we've all navigated that in different ways. How, how does that affect one's mental health when you think about all of that um, from, a, from a perspective of race and ethnicity? Yeah, one thing I think about, um, one term that comes to mind, and I, I talk about this a lot, I teach of diversity and multicultural issues classes, race-based traumatic stress. Mm-hmm. And um, just thinking about that in relation to mental health and all, especially all that's been going on the last year, um, that, that term covers so much of, I think, what's happening with mental health. So um, it's when you think about an emotional, energy, an emotional injury uh, that's yeah. been motivated by, by fear of a person or group as a, of a people as a result of their race, then mm. a racially motivated stressor that overwhelms a person's capacity to cope. That's, wow. that's affected, of course, with our mental health or physical health. And then thinking about interpersonal stressors um, mm. that are racially motivated, thinking institutional stressors. You think about institutional racism um, mm-hmm. that's been motivated by fear, helplessness. Um, all those things combined can affect our mental health. Wow. That's good. That's good. I, I, I Yeah, all, that's a lot. That's a lot to think through. And Nate, I'd love to hear. I know you're, you know, just thinking about the narrative and how we get to the to here where we are today, just historically, if you could just shed some more light on that, how would you add to anything that Dr. Wiggins just said? Well, uh, first, you know, we have to deal with this thing called truth, right? Uh, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And it's the truth that sets us free. And what I love about people like Deborah and Valencia, we get to talk about the truth. And many times Christians miss out on truth. So they know the Mm -hmm. way, salvation. They know their life, eternal life, but they don't understand truth, like mental health, wow. depression or racism. And so uh, when you deal with the truth, it has the ability to set you free. And the Bible talks about we overcome him by the blood of, of the lamb and the word of our testimony, our story, the true narrative. So one of the things I just want to quickly do is talk about a little truth to set the foundation uh, of where racism comes from, and especially why it's so important what you're talking about with Christianity. Um, It was called the uh, Virginia General Assembly in 1667. And these were colonizers that were dealing with slaves. And in England, we hadn't got our independence yet. 
um, and in Great Britain, you could not enslave people if they were your fellow brother and if they were a Christian and they're a person of faith. So these colonizers came up with uh, uh, with something and they came up with a rule that said that wow. if the African becomes a Christian, he is still a slave. And that's and they begin to call them chattel. That's where we get cattle, chattel slavery. So this is mm. the truth of this issue. White people did not start this. White Christians mm. started that. And so wow. if white Christians started it, it is then them that has to fix it. It's their responsibility. And so, um, you know, one of the things that I try to do is help people understand the true narrative. And so then we know where we're coming from, but we just don't know this. And I talk to people all the time, black and white, we don't know our history. We don't know mm -hmm. the truth, so we can't be set free uh, from it. And, you know, the other thing is, that uh, racism is, is simply a, a, a disease that's passed down from generation to generation. The, the, the last point I want to make is Dr. Poussaint, uh, like in the 1960s, he was coming to the conclusion that racism is really a mental illness. And the wow. Association of, uh, of Psychology, they basically said, well, we think that's true, but we've done the research and uh, there's, you know, quite a bit. Uh, there's a majority of white people have this issue. And um, in order, uh, we know this, in order for something to be uh, like a diagnosis or an issue, uh, a majority of the population can't have it. It has to be mm -hmm. rare. So then therefore mm -hmm. they concluded that it cannot be a disorder. And so, mm -hmm. I mean, these, this is our history, right? So what if racism is a disorder and a majority of the po white population does have it, right? And so they're dealing wow. with something, a mental illness, and they don't even know it. And so they don't have that truth. And so, you know, part of my passion is to help black and white people understand that we are dealing with a mental illness and we're dealing with these issues and these disorders and we don't even mm -hmm. understand. And sometimes they're not even classified as that. So uh, and the main thing that it causes is a superiority complex. And I know that uh, Deborah Valencia will get into that, but uh, a superiority complex and an inferiority complex, many times wow. we deal with the inferiority complex. We constantly talk about what racism has done to African-Americans and their issues and the pathology of that, mm -hmm. but we don't deal with the people who are dealing with the trauma of uh, post-traumatic slave master disorder. Wow. It just wow. goes totally, you know, we're not even dealing with it. And so we're dealing, we're starting to deal with this right now. And, and so neither of these wow. uh, complexes, inferiority or superiority are of God, right? Mm -hmm. uh, neither of them are. And so mm -hmm. uh, mental health helps us deal with that, shed that, and allows us to have the mind of Christ so we can love one another. Wow. That's so good. And, and yeah, I, I mean, as both as both of my esteemed colleagues here have shared, I mean, there's this generational piece of of trauma that that has been passed down historically. Um, and, you know, what I think, too, is is critical. I mean, as Nate said, you know, the white church in America, the white evangelical church, especially um, has this has this the complex as I, I, I the disorder i mean there, there's so much truth to that and i would absolutely wholeheartedly agree with you um mm. and i think what happens out of that is a tendency to 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 not fully sit in the in the sorrow 
And wow. the, uh, the, the forgiveness piece, the lamentation that needs to happen. You know, when I'm teaching counseling techniques, the first thing I work with my students on is to shed the immediate desire to problem solve. They sit down with mm -hmm. a client for the first time in a mock session. And the first thing they want to do is help them feel better, which first wow. of all, helping indicates a power dynamic, right? So we got to get rid of that word. You're not here to help. You're here to sit and co-suffer. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and then the second is how do you really listen to understand? How do you sit with the client in their pain and their experience? And we are not one to, to step into mm. places of suffering. And the reason that is so critical is because it validates the personhood of the individual sitting across from you. It mm. says your experience is real. Your experience is valid. It has had a significant impact on your life. And I embrace, accept, and hold space for you in all of that. And we, we journey in this together. It's an us, it's not, not you and them, it's, it's, it's us together. And I think that corporate lament that, that especially the white church needs to begin the process of, I mean, if we look at the, we look at the rhythms of the Old Testament and, mm -hmm. and, and the Jewish people who went through tremendous enslavement, um, uh, ethnic cleansing, genocide, they also went through periods of lament because their sorrow wow. was real and their, and their experience was real and valid. And in order for healing to even begin, that process of lamentation was critical. And so I believe, you know, as, as, a, as a member of the white majority culture, it is my responsibility to call my white brothers and sisters into the practice of corporate lament wow. for the very things yeah. that Nate talked about going back to the history of how we have contributed. We we've instilled systemic racism in this country. That's good. That's good. Man, we could just stay there all day long, but this is, that was great. I, if now talking about what you guys just shared, when we think of our present day, just where we are in America right now, all of that, You've shared narrative. You guys have talked about how we got to the day, but we're we're in a pandemic and we're we're all suffering in different ways. And this pandemic has brought to light a lot of different things in our country. Uh, we saw the disenfranchisement with disenfranchisement with you know, black and brown people, the higher mortality rates, especially with covid and uh, just bringing to light. There's just what's happening in our communities all over Chicago and across this nation. Um, you've seen the rhetoric with. Uh, towards Asians and folks in our country uh, just through this pandemic. Can you guys speak to uh, what the pandemic is doing mentally to people and just maybe some of the things that you guys have seen um, and you, you find yourself counseling a little bit more through um, during this pandemic? I'd love to hear from you all. What's that been like in this pandemic? One thing I think about um, since we're seeing you're talking about lament, Deb, and um, I was reading in Lamentations 5.5, and it says, with the yoke on our necks, we are hard driven, we are weary, and we are given no rest. Mm. And um, thinking about all of this that we've seen, I think about uh, the pandemic, um, of course, physical and, and racial, um, and even going back to watching George Floyd, where the whole world could watch that mm -hmm. and watching yeah. that trauma. And um, so I think about fatigue um, that people may be experiencing, uh, mental and physical stress for people of color, 
on all levels. It can be compared to when what soldiers have faced in war. If you think about the traumatic um, mm. stress that happens. And so um, the is real. And fatigue. so that's mm. one about, yeah, fatigue. That's good. That's good. We're cutting out, but I think uh, the mental fatigue, you're comparing it to just what soldiers go through in war. Uh, that's 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 huge. I don't think many people are thinking about it that way. Uh, that's great. I love to hear Dr. Gordon or Nate. Anything you guys would add to that? What are you guys experiencing? Um, one of the things that that I've heard, yeah, in addition to the fatigue, the weariness. You know, I think about grief and loss, and and the way that uh, that that grief is conceptualized in the Psalms as like weariness of sorrow just like this ongoing like grief process um that that my brothers and sisters of color my brothers and sisters in the black and brown communities are going through but i also heard a colleague of mine articulate it this way and i thought it was so powerful she she mentioned there's this constant state of hypervigilance um you know constantly having to watch out for for safety for security for for you know allies for um for for what do i need to be prepared for and that yeah. is a consistent uh experience of cortisol which is a stress hormone rushing through your body at all times so yeah. thinking about this constant experience of stress and how you know you wow. asked earlier the connection why is mental health so important that connection between the mental and physical health of our bodies and so as as so many members of the black and brown community are experiencing these heightened levels of stress. You already got the pandemic, so stress is here. And then they're, you know, they're stressed about police presence in their neighborhood and the safety of their children and what they communicate to, you know, the, to their little ones about going outside and, and what they should do if they're, if they're pulled over um, or walking into a store and being eyed by a security guard. There's this constant hypervigilance that's now on top of the compounded stress of the pandemic. And that wow. is having a significant toll on their physical body as, as well as their mental body or as well as their mind. Um, and so just that need for rest and space, you know, I'm reminding my clients and my students all the time, it's okay. And in fact, it's necessary to disconnect from the media, from social media, uh, yeah. to take a Sabbath that's critical, give yourself permission to do that. Um, but but mm. certainly I'm seeing extreme heightened levels of stress right now. Wow. Wow. Uh, I, I also want to say that uh, one of the main things I'm constantly uh, kind of helping my uh, clients process is just anxiety and uh, understanding um, how to deal with your mind taking you to the worst case scenario. And wow. um, one, one of the major issues uh, that I constantly hear, especially when I'm dealing with Christians, I have, uh, I, I try to connect them with this one verse. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Uh, yeah. Fear causes fight, flight, and paralyzation. And so mm -hmm. our country is in this constant state of fear. And um, it, fear, the spirit of fear arrests you, it causes you anxiety, sleeplessness, um, depression. Um, you know, we're just not aware of how much anxiety we're experiencing on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, one of the ways I like to describe post-traumatic stress disorder 
um, or, or, or just trauma in general. It's just a suddenly disturbing or distre- distressing experience. Uh, so you're driving a car and somebody hits the back of you. And the next day uh, you're driving and you're constantly looking back or you're, or someone's getting closer behind you talking to your kids and you just get extra angry or anxious. We're just not aware of how much this is built up. And we don't know that healing comes and most Americans don't understand this. Healing comes from having a healing conversation um, and, and expressing how you feel. Uh, Deborah talked a little bit about it uh, when, when she talked about sitting with people and, and, not, and, and solving problems. And I have to let everybody know, as, a, as, as an African-American male, the first time I was actually counseling a lot of women uh, because mm-hmm. black women didn't have anybody to go to. They found I was black. And they, they were like, hey, you're a black man. Mm-hmm. Let me. And I didn't know that was rare. And women taught me that um, connection is uh, tell me how you feel. I tell you how I feel. And we have connection. <laughs> I, didn't, I, mean, I, I learned this in therapy, but I'm a man. I, I was solving problems. Right. They would they'd say, hey, that works. But then they wouldn't come back. And so um, we don't understand just the ability in all of this to go and connect with somebody and tell people how we feel and what we're going through. Um, that is. Uh, is healing. The, the, one of the examples I give of that is Jesus, when he's about to go to the cross, he looks at the disciples and says, why are you sleeping? Why are you not praying for me? Mm. And I'm thinking, God, hypostatic union, God on earth, you need people? What? You need people? Well, then mm. how many people do I need? If if I thought the purpose is you get so high and so powerful, you don't need to share. Uh, you don't need to talk to people. But but Jesus, it said mm. that he sweat drops of blood. That's the most extreme anxiety you could possibly have. He's sweating drops of blood and he's needing people in his time of fear to talk to and support him. And we don't understand sometimes that that's that's all we need is to go in a simple room and, and talk to people. And that helps us to heal. Wow. That was good. That was good. Well, I want to stay here all day, but. I'm going to, you know, just with that, we're going to lead into just this last question. Um, and you gave us some some good points already, Nate. And just thinking through just what are some things as some good practices, you know, as as we're trying to navigate the space. Obviously, we're still in a pandemic uh, We're we're still we're dealing with the, the mental stress or even fatigue from history of racial history of racial issues in America. We. We're still in this pandemic where we're experiencing everything that's happening right now. What are some good practices um, just to as we end the day, just some good practices that you could probably share with us uh, in, in terms of what we should be doing to just think of our overall health uh, as Christians, specifically in our, our mental uh, mentality and just what's going on in our minds in this season? Think about think about this. Um, it's simply take care of our physical bodies. Um, often, when I work with clients who are dealing with depression, I talk about doing the basics. Even while you're feeling very very depressed, sleeping, eating, walking, getting up, those uh, just going through that. Um, another thing I think it's important um, just think about emotionally. Um, of course, getting support in your community, whatever that is. I think uh, your church, your church family. Um, if you are struggling with mental health issues and need support, 
um, counseling is, is key and is, is helpful, um, but also have a community. Don't walk alone. Yeah. Don't walk mm -hmm. alone. Whether that's your family, your friends, your church, your coworkers, they'll be by yourself. And then keep keep creating spaces to talk. Mm -hmm. To die, even as we're talking about dealing with racism and those things, keep talking. Know who you're talking to. The thing in the beginning, you were talking about truth and history. And it's important to know know everyone's history because that helps you mm -hmm. also in understanding who they are. So um, those are those are a few things that I think about when I think about this. That's good. That's good. Dr. Gordon and Nate, anything you guys would add to that? You don't have to, but anything you would add to just to, as a summation, just some good practices for us. I, I would say, um, yes, echo everything that Dr. Wiggins said, because that holistic care is so important. Um, and then perhaps I'd add boundaries, like boundaries yeah. around um, your time, boundaries around your commitments. Um, and I think especially, you know, I've heard uh, from some people uh, feeling like they've been extra called upon in this season to speak into the issues at hand, um, especially mm -hmm. people of color. And, uh, you know, just, just, it's okay to say no to those things. In fact, in this season, I would say for, for my white brothers and sisters that are listening, we need to step up. We need to be educating ourselves and we need to be pushing this conversation. Um, and so setting those healthy boundaries is is really important for rest, for Sabbath, for renewal, for renew for rejuvenation. And and as Nathan was said, just to to remind ourselves that God is our sustainer. God is our is is our power. God is our comforter. Amen. Need any last words? Um w one of the uh, uh major things I've uh, experience time and time again, and especially with my Christian brothers and sisters, uh, no matter what ethnicity they are, um, just just in general, um, is the inability to love, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Jesus said this mm -hmm. thing, uh, wow. the so-called son of God comes and he, he says, we, um, you know, if you can do anything, right, the whole Bible uh, the Ten Commandments, the Torah, soteriology, spirituality, the Trinity. He's like, you know, I just just do this one thing. Um, I need you to love one another, right? Mm -hmm. uh, when, when you're filled with fear and a superiority complex or inferior complex, you can't love. You cannot mm -hmm. do the new commandment. And uh, as you look around, right, we're, there's a deficit uh, of love. And so people need to understand that um, it, it's not really an option if you're a child of God. Uh, it says that you are commanded and created to love. And you can't wow. love if you don't know how to love yourself. Um, and, and, and then it goes on to say that if you say you love the God who you can see, but don't love your brother who you, I mean, if you, if you say you love your, your God who you can't see, but don't love your brother who you can see, you're a liar. The yeah. truth of God is not in you. Uh, wow. So the, the gospel is very clear that if uh, if there's anything that shows you are a believer, and and I know that uh, you know we know the Lindsay endeavor that really that's what all people are looking for is just love. 
uh, one of the main things I try to do is really teach parents. Um, uh, it's in the Malachi in the Old Testament. It says that uh, God will send Elijah and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest the land be stricken with a curse. And what I now know doing this work is our land is cursed. We're not connected mm. to our kids. Uh, many times we think loving unconditionally is condoning bad behavior. And we don't mm. understand how to love people unconditionally. And the main perpetrators of this are religious people. Things have not really mm. changed much. Right. So, um, you know, the thing I say is pursue love. Go that wow. way. Uh, lo- anytime you're in the space with people, Love them. Do your best to love them. Uh, think about a person that's um, a, a family member that you love. And when you see bad things happening on the news, just imagine that that's your loved one. Right. Because we're supposed to be brothers and sisters. But, you know, we know yeah. a secret. Uh, trauma arrests your development. And so when Paul says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. Um, I reasoned as a child and I put away childish things. Most of us don't realize it, but without mental health, we still uh, become children. You're the same age mm-hmm. emotionally as when you're traumatized. So most of us, when wow. we get emotional, we're just little children. And we can't understand mm-hmm. racism. We can't understand complex things. And so God tells us to put away childish things. And in my opinion, uh, in order to do that, there's church. But you got to talk to Deborah and Valencia to me, right? We, we we understand the mind. Uh, the, the Christianity still is That's learning good. the mind. We're still we're still like children. Church can be like a big children's Sunday school because we're not mm. dealing with the meat. Children spit out, you know, they spit out meat. They can only handle milk. And the Bible talks about the meat of the word. But you, you got to mature, you know, and, and grow up. So, you know, whatever it takes for you to pursue love, stay away from hatred in fear that that is not the spirit of god um and, and whatever you have to do to do that but but typically it has to do with forgiveness and uh, really understanding self-awareness um and pursuing that uh with christ in your family so that that i'm sorry i just got on soapbox there but it's okay brother it's okay this is that was that was great all of you are i am so thankful to have you here dr wiggins dr gordon Nate, I, we got to spend some more time together, brother, but I, I appreciate everything that you guys have shared today. Um, it's been a blessing to myself, as I know, for our church. Um, and we're, we're just opening up just this can of mental health and just trying to navigate these spaces. And I'm so thankful for Moody Theological and just how you guys have partnered with us. And we've been able to refer quite a few people to you all. So thank you. Thank you for spending some time with us today um, and, and being here with us. It was amazing. Family, as we come to a close today, um, one thing I will say is that today we're not going to solve all our issues. We're not going to solve. That wasn't the goal with this. It was just to open up the table and, and talk about mental health, talk about race and talk about the history, talk about the narrative and how we got to where we are today and just you know, what, what, what's the Lord doing in our hearts? There's so many things that have been opened up in our minds and our hearts that we're dealing with. And we don't know what to do with them now. We're kind of stunted in this place. We're fragile and, and we're not sure where to go. And, and I will say this, if you're in one of those places and you're dealing with anything that was said today, um, let us know. Make sure to let me know. Uh, email us at info at renewalchicago.com. 
I, Moody is on standby. We can call him. We can make sure that you get in that. I will say this myself, even Pastor Steve and some of our elders, we, we do regular counseling ourselves. And um, it's health in it. There's not weakness in it. That's health. And there's wisdom, as the Bible talks about in counseling. And so I, I do want to say to you that as, as Nate is hitting on the fact that as the Bible talks about loving God with all your heart, mind, soul and your strength and, and loving your neighbor as yourself, there is this part of you that if you're not necessarily loving yourself enough to think about what's going on in my mind and seeking that hope there, it's really impossible to love God with everything. You're not loving him with your mind. and You definitely can't love your neighbor as you love yourself because you're not really loving yourself. And here's the reality. We may need help doing that. As they were saying, we need help doing that. I have throughout the years and believing lies that have entered my mind or even my heart. God wants all of us. He wants to be the place of rest for us, the place we can run to. And so, family, as we end today and and throughout the next several weeks as we're journeying through this mental health series, again, if any point at any point you're saying, hey, that's me. I need to talk to Pastor D or, or Pastor Steve or somebody on staff, or I need to seek out counseling. I, I want I want you to do that. I want I want to jump in there, jump in there with you. I want us to be who God has called us to be as the church. Amen. Amen. Let me pray as we end. Father, thank you so much for today and this morning. You are truly amazing. This conversation as we didn't necessarily solve any issues or anything that's going on, but just to open up this conversation. And think about all that race has had to do with mental health and this pandemic and where we are right now. God, I pray throughout the next several weeks as we journey together that you will be lifted up in all we say and do. And God, as we are things in our hearts are revealed or you allow us to see some things in our minds, things that are going on, maybe things that we've never dealt with, Lord, that, that we wouldn't run from those things or stuff them, but... Uh, we'd be vulnerable enough to admit and acknowledge where we are and seek help and and know that our community and our church is there for that, uh, that there are counselors there for that. God, so we thank you for who you are, Lord Jesus. We thank you that even in the midst of seeing the mess in our lives, you still love us and you still say you are my son, my daughter, and I still want you here with me. You still chose us with our mess. It still blows me away. So God, we give you praise and we give you glory this morning. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we all said together, amen, amen.